In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. What I affirm and know is there is one activity, one source of all life. That life is perfect. That life is God's life. That life is my life here and now. Claiming it in the I am for each person. I am that I am. Affirming and knowing that and opening myself to that experience, not just that idea, but moving from my head to my heart and opening at that core of being. What I know in this moment is that everything necessary for me to be aware of if something is troubling me or stirring within me, I honor it and I look at it and I affirm and to command that what is there for me to know about this is made clear. For I am the thing itself, that this has come to visit me in my life, to guide, direct, and inform my next choice. I give thanks for this day. I give thanks for beautiful music. I thank, give thanks to live in a country where we have the freedom and the prosperity the creativity and the opportunity to come together in spiritual community and discuss these deep and profound ideas and concepts that we are the cutting edge of consciousness upon this planet joined together with the, the collective tribe upon this planet that is pushing the envelope of consciousness, awareness, that is allowing the innovation, the revelation, the transformation, and the form that takes place as a result of that consciousness to bless this planet. What is alive in the, in the totality is alive within us. And so I celebrate your divinity. I celebrate your life, your love, your godness. For each and every one of us is a godling. And all that is required with that is a willingness and a yes. For this I give thanks for this beautiful day, for music, for eyes to see, ears to hear hands to feel and touch and to create with and a heart to be open and transformed. I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. So I'm going to invite you to, to um, find someone to, to stand up. We're going to do our uh, welcome. Uh, to, to engage with someone, and if you can find someone next to you or near you that you can look into their face and interact with, you could do it in a threesome, a twosome. And so as you look at that person, there we go, we're finding one another here. It's like the lost tribe of Israel running around right now. There we go. But we didn't have to wander in the desert for 40 years. So I want you to look at that person and say, hey, what are you looking at? And then you can say, I see the God within you. I see, God within you. I see your light. I see your light. 
I celebrate your gifts. I celebrate your love. I acknowledge your creative creativity. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being you. And so it is. Nice. Sweet. Hey, what we say we become. Might as well share it with one another. So this month we're talking about vacations. Actually, Dr. Gans spoke last week and it was Freedom from Discord, I believe, which was lovely. Vacation from Discord. But today we're talking about vacation from fear. Next week will be vacation from lack. And, the, and it's Father's Day. We're going to do a nice, really not wonderful ritual for Father's Day. That I, I, I thought it up as Sylvester Stallone said in Rocky while I was eating breakfast this morning. So, and then uh, vacation from worry and doubt. But we, it's vacation season, isn't it? So a vacation is what you take when you can no longer take what you've been taking. Right? Is that what a vacation is? Vacation is what you take when you can no longer take what you've been taking. And so vacation from fear. So we are here to live a life uh, free from fear. There's nothing to fear. Fear cripples us. Fear is our most boring thing about us. You have people that come to you and share their fear and concern quite readily. It's boring, isn't it? I mean, it's not that we don't care. It's just not very interesting. Really? That's it? I mean, what's the most exciting thing about it is our creativity and our love and our, our possibility and passion. Creativity, our wisdom. Being the truth, as those teens said in that video, being who we are. So what happens with life is everyone experiences fear when we're confronted with something new. Uh, Lil did our meditation earlier today, and she shared with me before, because she was here early, and she seemed to be full of life. And I said, Lil, what's up? You know, and she said, well, I'm doing the meditation. I said, well, good for you. And she said, yeah, last night I was hoping I could get sick and I wouldn't have to do it. And I said, what? Isn't that great? That's exactly what we're talking about today. But how many of us do that? She said, if I get, you know what? Rather than do this, if I could just die, it'd be better. You know? I mean, what kind of thinking is that? But what happens with that, all of us go through that. All of us go through that. There's an, I don't think any person on the planet that does not have some anxiety or something, when they're facing something new, there's this unknown. And even if it's known, you know, there's still that sense of uncertainty. So we all have it. But what, what makes the difference is how we hold the fear and how we manage it. And I think it's so important to understand that all of us have that opportunity every day. So when you came in, I'm going to talk about this later, you got a ticket, an airline ticket here from Freedom Airlines. And you can't, it's not worth anything. You can't go down to Edmonton Airport and try and get on a plane with this. But it's a metaphor. And it's a one-way ticket. And we're going to talk about what we're going to send on vacation. Because I, th I say we declare we've learned everything there is from what it is or who it is that may have installed fear or creates fear or doubt or, or apprehension in our lives, and we're going to send it on vacation today. So I plant that seed with you, and I want you to know that you are not going to be allowed to leave the premises today without turning in your ticket. So not, you don't need a ticket to get in, but you've got to have a ticket to get out. And we have people right now locked in the back that did not turn in their tickets. So I just want to let you know. So we'll lock in there with them, and next Sunday we'll see how you're doing. I'm kidding. That mean guy. 
So this, this month we've been working with um, one of the books is The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. It's a classic. It's a beautiful book by, by Joseph Murphy. And it's, it's, he, w- he wrote this back in, I think, 1963. Amazing little book. If you don't have it in your collection, it looks like this. It's in the bookstore. It doesn't look like that picture up there, but similar. But it has butterflies on it. And just wonderful little stories in here, and I've got a quote or two I'm going to use from it, but wonderful illustrations about the power of the subconscious and how we can misuse that at times. And fear definitely cripples the possibilities and the opportunities for us. So as I said, a vacation is what you take when you can no longer take what you've been taking. And I want to talk about three examples today. The first one being listening to others less. Listening to others less. Fear less, live more. The second one. And the third one is dwell less and create more. So fear, listen, listen to others less and be yourself more. So who are we listening to, in other words? And then fear less and live more, because fear will keep us from living. It'll keep us scared. It'll keep us from stepping out into the unknown. And then dwell less. So what are we dwelling on? What is our, what is our sort of, of area that we land? What do we dwell on? Possibility or concern and anxiety? And it's our choice. And many times we fall into it without even thinking about it. So this idea of listening to others, this little girl, I, was, I went to parochial school, Catholic school for 13 years. And um, so I'm very, and then I had nuns that taught me, the Catholic nuns taught me for quite a bit. And, and it was always a challenge for them and I appreciate their patience with me because they were always trying to teach us something and I was always trying to entertain. And so it didn't always match up well. But... This little girl is in grade three in parochial school, and she says, Sister, I just read, I just read in the Bible about Jonah and the whale. And what I know now, because I've studied whales as well, is that the, the, the whale's throat is too small for a whale to swallow a man. And the good sister said, Well, but it says it right in Scripture that the whale swallowed Jonah. And the little girl said, But yes, sister, but that's impossible because the whales can't. She said, Well, with God, all things are possible. And then, and then you know. Don't tell me, don't confuse me with facts, because God can do anything. And so she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah if that happened. And the sister looked at her and said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little girl said, well, then you can ask her, sister. We don't teach hell. We don't teach hell as a location. You know, I mean, Jesus came along. When the, when the Christ consciousness emerged on the planet and the story of the, 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 that itinerant teacher showed up, it was a reflection of what was shifting in consciousness. Dr. Ernest Holmes felt that the birth of the Christ, and, and, and it's stories of truth. I know there's so many inconsistencies if we want to interpret it as factual and historical. It's not. Things happen, and I think they're based on truth, but you know, it, there's been a lot of things passed down. But the idea being, and Holmes understood that, it was an experience of truth. It was a shift in consciousness, something open, and it was unconditional love. He represented the love. The Jewish tradition up until that point, and he was Jewish, was all about the law. And then all of a sudden, Jesus came along and said, no, no, it's about the love as well. But it took the law. See, they had to, the Jews had to establish the law, the structure, and the order of behavior so that when the love did show up, there was a, a launching pad. Because you've got to have both. You have to have the love and the law, which is what Dr. Holmes talked about in The Science of Mind and continues. And this is what we teach. In this wonderful book, 
uh, let me back up a second. We empower ourselves by listening to ourselves. We empower ourselves by listening to ourselves. But part of the challenge that I've witnessed and part of the, the, the journey that I've had is trusting my own mind. We're the science of mind. But if you don't trust your own mind, how can anything land there of value? Because if we walk around in the uncertainty of who we are, and, and this is such a popular idea, this idea that I can't and I won't and it's not for me and it's not available and all these ideas that we gather that people give us out of love and, and, and ignorance as well, how can anything good show up? And, and it, it may show up, but if we don't have the, the consciousness or the landing place for it, it just simply, it goes away. I mean, this is the way consciousness works. It's not arbitrary. And so it's not that we've done something wrong, it's that we haven't grounded ourselves in the consciousness of the very thing that we'd like to experience. But when people, and so when we allow people to insert fear or the culture to create fear in our lives, and an example of it is, um, you know, just a couple days ago, this young singer, Christina Grimmie, who was on The Voice, was doing a concert in, in Miami, and so one of her fans walked in, shot her, and then killed himself. And so, you know, Laura and I, we all watch The Voice every year. We really enjoy it a lot. And, and so we remember her and thought she was wonderful. And we were just like, oh, my gosh. And then I got up this morning and I opened up the Internet and here's somebody in another club in Florida that went in and killed another 20 people. 50. Is it 50 now? Oh. I mean, and, we see, and so we hear that stuff. How can we not be fearful and sad? How can that not impact us? Marianne Williamson, one of the great speakers and teachers in consciousness on the planet right now, just wrote a book called Why Is There So Much Struggle and, and, and uh, Suffering in the Human Experience? Because that's part of it too. And what Holmes taught is that we are perfect, whole, and complete. But it doesn't mean these other things don't show up. So how do we stand in both camps? How do we, how do we maintain our sanity? How do we not spin out in despair? Because it just seems so random and so sorrowful. And, and to not acknowledge it and open our hearts and say, oh my God, I can't, I couldn't imagine. You know, as a parent and a grandparent, you think about, you know, you think locally about your, the well-being of those you care about. But, but all people, they're all our sons and daughters. And so what is it about ourselves that we can spin into this resentment and this rage where we want to take, we want to just destroy life? Because we have that choice too. The infinite gave us those choices. It said, you have, take dominion over this. You can choose at any point in time what you'd like to experience. And part of it, part of my journey lately has been really looking at the deeper areas where I can, where I can be more grounded in my own divinity. And it's not placing myself above. It's actually being more open and, and humble and appreciative and grateful for all the, the life and the godness that's around me. And I've been doing some work around my own journey with that and deepening and I came across a book by Nathaniel Brandon, and uh, Maureen uh, Maslin told me that she actually went down to Los Angeles, saw him a number of years ago, and he said it was amazing. But he wrote a book, he's a therapist, he wrote a book, one of the first books on the psychology of self-esteem. And he calls this the six pillars of self-esteem, the definitive work on self-esteem by the leading pioneers in the field. But he started this work in 1954. And he says that you know, self-esteem became a catchphrase and something very kind of pop culture culturally alive in the 80s. And it doesn't help, he said, it doesn't help to minimalize it or to trivialize it, to make it nothing, you know, to make it like it's really easy. And to, you know, to be able to say to your children, well, you're perfect, whole, and complete, when in fact their behavior might be completely unacceptable. 
And so it's, and then we're, we're incongruent. There's a lack of integrity in it. So it's really about the behaviors and building that within oneself. Because what I notice with, with our teaching is, it's, you know, it's this idea that anything goes. A couple weeks ago I asked, and you know, someone said, this is the hippie church, and somebody yelled out. I said, what does that mean? Someone said, free, free. And I thought about that for a while. I said, wow, let me think about that. And I realized that this is probably one of the hardest things to incorporate into our life there is. There ain't nothing free or easy about it, I'm telling you. I mean, if you think this is going to be easy, you better, you're better off going back to the Catholic Church where I grew up and just having them tell you what to think. Give me those ten rules. What do they call the Oh, the Ten Commandments. Give me those Ten Commandments. I'm going to behave. I'll, I'll, I'll meet the Ten Commandments right where they are. That's the starting point. Thou shall not kill. Wow, what a novel idea. <laughs> Despite what's just happened on the planet. How many of us need that? You know, I mean, people are, are, for the most part, people are really, really good people. But, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, you needed a rule that said, don't kill your neighbor. Don't be coveting his wife. Honor your mother and father. All that stuff. And those are all good things to have. And there are people that live their life by those things. I think to, to step into this teaching in a powerful way, we realize we are our own authority. I mean, how many, how, look at the world. Thou shalt not kill. We have more wars going on now than ever before. And it's alive in every tradition. It's not just the Judeo-Christian tradition. Something deeper has to happen. But what he says, what, what uh, Braden, Brandon says in this book, and I've just started reading, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book on what I think is standing in one's dominion, standing in your own authority. Because this teaching, this stuff works. But if we don't have the foundation to hold it, it doesn't matter what we affirm. If I don't believe I'm good enough, what's the point? If we don't create the foundation of something solid to build on, then that's what Holmes understood. There's one life, it is God's life, and that life is my life now. And we work with that until we get it and we know it. And what are the building blocks of that? Otherwise, it's just the, the fluff council. I'm perfect, whole, and complete. Yeah, but you can't pay your bills on time. That doesn't matter. Perfect, whole, and complete. I just write them out there. I'm perfect, whole, and complete. I mail the bill back to them. They understand. I wish. Yeah, me too. I'll get, we should get stamps made. Boom. I, I want to let you know I no longer pay these bills. I'm just, boom, perfect, whole, and complete. And I'm sending you love. Good. So what he says is self-esteem. Six pillars of self-esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. Number one, confidence in our ability to think. This is what self-esteem is. Confidence in our ability to think. Confidence in our ability to cope with the, the basic challenges of life. And confidence in our right to be successful and happy. The feeling of being worthy, deserving, deserving entitled to, our, to assert our needs and wants, achieve our values, and enjoy the fruits of our effort. To trust one's mind and to know that one is worthy of happiness to trust one's mind and to know that we are all worthy of happiness is self-esteem. Simple, isn't it? But do we trust ourselves? Because I, I work with people all the time. We do the affirmative prayer. They leave men. They're all good to go. And 48 hours later, they're back on the phone with me. I say, well, what kind of signs do you need? What kind of affirmation? I mean, and it's not a criticism. It's like, when will this take hold? And so we do another prayer because doubt creeps in. You know, we had a, we had a beautiful uh, couple of, of amazing icons pass away this week as well. Gordy Howe, who, you know, is just an amazing... I watched him when he played in the WHL in St. Paul, Minnesota when he was 50 years old. You're like, look at this guy. 
And uh, he still had very sharp elbows then. But it was amazing to watch in the lives that he touched and, and uh, what a, what a uh, lightning rod of possibility. The other one was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was just an amazing guy. And I watched Bill Clinton. I watched the eulogy. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, it's there. Bill Clinton doing his eulogy. It's about 15 minutes long. It's, he's such an, uh, Bill Clinton is such a great orator. What a great speaker. And he did this beautiful uh, talk about Ali. And he said, you know, he said at a very early age, he decided to write his own story. And he did. And I, and I thought, wow, isn't that our teaching? He took dominion over his life. He knew something was alive in him. And he said, I'm going to write my own story. And I'm going to decide what I believe in and what I stand for at a very early age. And the thing that separated him from the rest of us, I believe, is then he was willing to live with the consequences of that. So, and, and, and he demonstrated that. In 1965, when the U.S. government was in Vietnam fighting a war, they said, you're going to war. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm not going. And so the, the majority of people in the United States hated him because he wouldn't fight for his country. And he said, look, no Vietnamese people have ever done anything to me. And I ain't going over there and killing them. That ain't for me. And then he, he, he brought together a, a group of professional athletes, all men of color. And Jim Brown was there, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there, and, a, and um, a number of prominent athletes at the top of their game, as well as him. I mean, there's never been a boxer like him, probably never be another one. Now, whether you agree with boxing or not, that was his vehicle out. That was the, the thing that leveled the field for him. But Ali just said... Um, I'm willing to live with the consequences of this. So he was stripped of his title, wasn't allowed to work for, I don't know how many years. But he took a stand and he was willing to live by his convictions. He was willing to say, I don't care what you guys do or want or say about me. I gotta be true to myself. I mean, that's faith. That's what all the great people that have changed the world. I mean, Jesus of Nazareth did the same thing. So many of the great, great uh, avatars that changed the world because they were true to themselves and what they, did, they chose to be true to. So he lived with those consequences and he changed the world as a result. And the, the, the great thing is that that is alive in all of us. It's alive in all of us. You know, Mother Teresa would sit there and she'd do that work over and over again. And, and they said, what is your... What is your vision statement? What is your mission? She said, I don't want anyone to die without knowing that God loves them. It was simple. So that, that guided every choice she made and she stuck to it and she stuck by it. I love her story about the uh, Japanese businessmen that came in and wanted to give her like $100,000 back when $100,000 was like a million dollars. And they said, but we'd like a plaque put up that says we did this. We'd like our names on it and the company and all that. And she said, no, I ain't doing that. Thanks, but no thanks. Take your money and go home. She'd take, the, she'd take money from gangsters. She'd take money from mobsters. Because she, she said, what we'll do is we'll take that money and we'll wash it clean by doing God's work. But she wasn't going to put up a sign that said, who gave the money? She said, if I put a sign up for you, I've got to put a sign up for thousands and thousands of people. I don't have enough walls in here to put signs up. So there's a condition I won't meet. But she understood. She understood that God was her source. Steve Mirabelli says, people tend to be generous when sharing the fear, nonsense, and ignorance. 
Have you ever had that experience? We're so ready to, to, sell, uh, to share our nonsense, our fears, our ignorance. And the problem with that is we listen to it. It's very popular. Let me tell you what we should be scared of now. And then we listen to it. And it's like, it's like having a beautifully manicured front lawn and somebody has a dump truck full of garbage. And it's awful, stinky, smelly garbage. Stuff we wouldn't, get, we wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. And they say, you know what, I'm going to, let me come on over here and I'm going to back my truck up in your front yard and dump it all there. And we just stand there and go, hmm. And we wave as they head on down the street. There's nothing wrong. I know Dr. Gans talked about this last week. There's nothing wrong with saying no. It's not mine. You can't dump it here. But we allow people to do that. And it's like when we, and when we stand in our own sense of self, many times they, they back the truck up, but they get, oops. I mean, energetically, they just, no, I can't dump this here. But how many of us, when people come to, to pour themselves out over and over and over again, same story, same story. And it's not that we don't have compassion. I tell people all the time, you can come to me three times, tell me the same story three times, and I'll pray for you. But if you come the fourth time, you've got to go find somebody else, because obviously this ain't working. Because you can't keep coming here and dumping this, because when you leave the room, I've got to shovel that all out, and I've got to do my cleansing work, I've got to do my forgiveness work. <clears throat> but that's love. You need more help than I can provide. I don't have, I, you know, I'm, I'm just doing what I can do to the best of my ability. Think of all the people in the world that you'd like to hang up on when you're on the phone. When you have your ticket here, think about who you might want to put on that or what thing, idea, what error belief you might want to put on there. And send them away. It's a one-way ticket. It's a beautiful airplane. One-way ticket to wherever. And you can do it with love. Declare you've learned enough by it and send them. Send them out. See, we, can't, we have to stop letting others install the fear. It takes trusting yourself and courage to let go of fear. Courage is realizing, as Muhammad Ali did and his mother Teresa did, there's something more interesting to focus on. There's something that wants to happen here. There's something that wants to be given birth to. But as long as I let fear dictate it, I will never step out. I will never become available to it. There'll be no place for it to show up in my life because it's all occupied and closed down with fear, lack, limitation. I'm not good enough. They're not good enough. And it's so hard to unravel that. In Nathaniel Braden's book, he's got the six strategies, how we unravel that. And that's work. It's work. It's mindfulness. He just puts it into these beautiful practices. He says, focus on action, living consciously, self-acceptance, self-responsibility, self-assertiveness, living purposefully, personal integrity, doing what you say you're going to do. If you didn't get it done, you renegotiate, you call up, make amends. They do that in the 12-step program all the time. Bunch of drunks running around not making amends. It's a problem. Number two, fear less, live more. The universe cannot come in when fear is present. Fear shuts off creativity, intuition, and inspiration. It just does. We don't, the, the, the brain doesn't light up when we're in fear in those areas. A beautiful quote from Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You have a sound mind. Trust that mind. And that divine presence within you, when you ask the question and listen, it will inform you and guide you. Trust that. So much uncertainty and so many people that have been telling us what to do and how to do it and when to do it our whole lives. And at some point you've got to step out of that and say, you know what? I need to stand in my own sense of divinity here. 
Not that the other's influence and information isn't important, but when we stand over here all the time and people are telling us what to be and what to do all the time, Muhammad Ali would never have done what he, he, he would have done or did do if he'd believed that because he realized he was called to something different and he changed the world. He, gave, he empowered so many people of color and possibility. It's remarkable. We all need role models. We need people that plow the ground and it's still happening this day. <clears throat> when we use expressions like when I can, when I have enough money, I will. When so-and-so gets out of my life, then I'll be able to do it. Anybody have so-and-so in their life? You waiting for so-and-so to leave? Live? Leave? Live? Both? We have a friend within us, uh, within us, a God essence that is infinite and unlimited. And yet, when we say that, it's so broad. What does that mean? We have to become more and more specific. We have to have ways to have practices, tactile practices in our lives, day-to-day to give us traction. I made a commitment to myself this day, I'm going to do this. And, and, and I'm do, you know, one of the reasons I dove into this, this, these, this own personal work around self-esteem and what empowers that is to have the practices and don't commit to things you're not going to do. Words are important. Agreements are important. Holding yourself accountable is important. One of the things that we were, Laura and I had a dinner on Friday night with someone that says that one of the things that's missing in society is, is the lack of teaching ethics in business and morals. Because they're so old-fashioned, we don't need ethics anymore. No, because we're perfect, whole, and complete. We, I mean, <clears throat> that's why we have lawyers. And lawyers seem to stay really busy, don't they? Yeah. Thank God we got lawyers. Ernest Holmes said, it is not, this presence is not limited by previous experiences you may have had by present, or by present conditions or past situations. It has no inherent tendencies of lack, evil, or limitation. It has never been caught in the mess of circumstances. It is all times radiant, free, and happy, and it is yours to use. Now, that is the perfection, that is the truth of our being. But when fear is layered over the top of that, or the error beliefs are layered over the top of that, it can't, it can't find its way to, through our, our lives. God can only do for us what God can do through us. Don't let your fear of what could happen let happen. Many people do. Don't let your fear of what could happen happen. Many people do. That's the story of Job in the Old Testament. There's a play by Alistair MacLeish that won a Tony. It was a really popular play on Broadway for years called JB. And it's a story of Job. And when I did summer stock years ago in northern Minnesota at the Paul Bunyan Dinner Theater. And uh, I, played J- I played Job. Job lost everything. He said, my worst fears have been realized. His family went away. His wife went away. Everything he owned was taken away. He said, my worst fears have been realized. Do you want to be Job? Want to keep feeding the fear? Because it will go. The law can only respond to what we are. So how do we stop that spin? I have a, so dwell less, the third one, dwell less, create more. I have a wonderful story I want to share with you here. There's a picture of a lady here I want to put up on the screen. That is A.Z. Taylor Morton. Anybody know who she is? Great story about her. AZ, she said, read this to you, it's very short, but it's, it's wonderful. Several years ago, I was invited to hear an important speaker who was going to address the student body in a small university in South Carolina. The auditorium was filled with students excited about the opportunity to hear a person of her stature speak. 
After the governor of the state gave the introduction, the speaker moved to the microphone, looked at the audience from left to right, and then she began. And she said, I was born to a mother who was deaf and could not speak. I don't know who my father is or was. The first job I ever did was working in the cotton fields. The audience was spellbound. She continued, nothing has to remain the way it is if it's not the way a person wants it to be. Nothing has to remain the way it is if it's not the way a person wants it to be. It isn't luck, it isn't circumstance, it isn't being born a certain way to cause a person's future to become what it becomes. And she softly repeated, nothing has to remain the way it is if that's not the way a person wants it to be. All a person has to do, she said in a firm voice, to change the situation that brings unhappiness or dissatisfaction is answer one question. And that question is, how do I want this situation to become? How do I want this situation to become? And then that person must commit totally to the personal action to carry that situation out. It requires our action, the follow-through. Commit totally. And then a beautiful smile shone out, and she said, I am A.Z. Taylor Morton. I stand before you today as the treasurer of the United States of America. From 1977 to 1981, President Jimmy Carter appointed her. She did not dwell on where she came from, who her mother and father was, what she had done in her life, anything that was in the past. She didn't dwell on any of it. She wanted to create a life, and she made the decision, and she found the ways to create that life. So she asked the students, where do you want to go, and who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? Nothing has to remain the way it is if it doesn't meet the expectations of you or I. The starting point, Ernest Holmes said, the starting point to creating a better life, a better future for ourselves, is to deliberately free our mind from the mistakes of yesterday and feel they are no longer held against us. We have all made mistakes. Some of us just want to hold it in place as if it is, and then it creates a whole theme for our lives. In Joseph Murphy's beautiful book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind, he says, speak affirmatively, affirmatively with a deep sense of authority to the irrational emotions generated in your deeper mind. You can say, be still, be quiet. I'm in control. You must obey me. You are, not subject. you are subject to my command. You cannot intrude here. You do not belong. How many of us do that when, when all of a sudden the fear rises up in us and the anxiety? I did it yesterday. I was doing the, preparing for this talk, and all of a sudden I was spinning in, in, in something. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And I said, get thee behind me. That's what Jesus said. At least that's what they say Jesus said. But something like that, I wasn't there. I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure he probably did something like that. Because he seemed to be pretty alive and awake. That consciousness seemed to be pretty connected with the divinity that lived within him. And that's our opportunity. These things I have done, you shall do an even greater. Isn't that beautiful to know that? I mean, uh, I mean it's not easy, I know. But that's our opportunity. See, because here's what happens. If we don't live this to the best of our ability, at least try I know we try, and sometimes we spin back into the old patterns. But if we don't do this, who's going to do it? 
Who will do it? Do we just spin in the despair and the sorrow and the sadness and the heartbreak of every week somebody shows up with a gun somewhere and kills a bunch of people or they're terrorists blowing stuff up and it's sad. And there are people on the planet, there are people that are, are respected that stand before thousands of people in large communities and talk about what an aberration it is to be gay or to be a person of a certain denomination or all the shame and the blame and the competition and the condemnation that goes on and it's just fear. It's fear. And so what happens is if we don't grow in this and live from this and we don't have to, we don't have to change the world. We just have to change ourselves. And then we'll know what to do when we're living from the inside out. And when we do that, the world shifts and changes. But if we don't do that, then fear wins. And I don't want to live on a planet where fear wins. I want to show up in integrity. I want to show up grounded in the truth of my being. I want to do the best I can. And at the end of it, despite the conditions, to be able to look people in the eye and say, man, I gave it the best I had. And, and, and hand it off or whatever it is to do. To me, that's a meaningful, purposeful life. To me, that I want to live like Muhammad Ali did. You know, I stand for this. I stand to know and the truth of my being is there's only one life. It's God's life. It's my life. I want to be a vehicle where that, that what wants to be expressed can, can find its way. And if I keep listening to the people who want to back up their, their garbage truck to, the, to my front yard and dump it, then I'm just digging myself out all the time. When in fact, if I get out there soon enough, I say, no, no, you can't put it here. You go on down there. Go on, you go down there to so-and-so's place. He'll probably want it, but I don't want it because it's not mine. I know it's a metaphor. But, but if we don't do that, if we don't continue to do our work here, then fear wins. And I don't think that's what wants to happen. I don't think that's what Mother Teresa wanted for us. I don't think that's what Muhammad Ali wanted for the planet. I mean, he, he went from warrior to be a king. He was an icon for the planet, a man of color. And he'd stand up and say, I am the greatest. And for the, the traditionalists, they'd say, what a loudmouth, what a braggart, what a bore. But what he was doing was pushing consciousness because what he was letting us in, in, in planting the seeds of saying, not only am I the greatest, you're the greatest too. You know, he would do the rhymes. Amazing guy and funny, funny man. He had a lot of fun with it because he was in the joy. So Steve Mirabelli in his Unapologetically You, Unapologetically you Reflections of, on Life and the Human Experience said this, I will not try to convince you to love me or to respect me, to commit to me because I deserve better than that. I am better than that. And the whole idea is that it's not about us looking for others. When we're looking for others to approve of us and to love us or disapprove of us, we're not standing in the truth of our being. We're at the mercy of the whims that blow by us and the opinions, of the good opinions of others. But when we understand who we are and whose we are, that there's a love present here and now that is rich and wonderful, that cannot be added to or taken away by anyone or anything, that's the truth. That's what Ernest Holmes was talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what that Buddha was talking about. That's what Hildegard of Bingen was talking about, an amazing mystic 
that helped bring the, the, the labyrinth and sacred, sacred art back into the awareness. All these great avatars dipping into that deep well. So here's what we're going to do for practice today. Man, oh man, I've done this talk twice. I get longer and longer every time I do it. My apologies. The practice is how would I want this situation to become is a question to ask. There we go. And the next slide is who or what are you ready to send on vacation? So we're going to get up. We're going to do a song. And I want to thank uh, Lillian who's singing uh, today for us because she actually took one of her songs out because I've gone so long with my, my talk. We had a lot of music today. But write down, we're going to do a little song here called Loving Spirit Dwells in Me. And I want you to think about who you're willing to send away on a permanent vacation. Send them away with love. It might be a person. It might be a quality. It might be an experience. It might be an error belief. But write it down. You could fold it in half. We don't need to read it. You're the one that needs to know what this is. And then hand it to the ushers on the way out the door. This is your ticket. If you don't want to hand it in, like I said, we'll lock you up in the back. And next week we'll come and get you. But who and what are you ready to send on a vacation? So think about that. And then, once again, the practice. You cannot leave here today without leaving behind that ticket. Because you don't want to take this with you anymore. You've learned everything you need to learn from this. Let's send fear on a vacation. All right? So while you're contemplating that, we're going to sing a song to help create some of the, the container for that to be rich for you. Loving spirit dwells in me, this is my divinity, as within, so without, all I need is here and now, where there's error, let me love, may I have all the power all the glory I surrender let it be loving spirit dwells in me now and evermore loving spirit dwells in me this is my divinity as within so without all i need is here and now where there's error let me love may i have no fear all the power all the glory I surrender let it be loving spirit dwells in me now and evermore we're going to do it one more time and invite you all to sing along I see some of you singing already it's beautiful Loving spirit dwells in me, this is my divinity, 
As within, so without All I need is here and now Where there's error, let me love May I have no fear All the power, all the glory I surrender, let it be Loving Spirit dwells in me Now and evermore Beautiful, thank you